Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. On this week's episode, we have Chase on from Oak and Oscar, and we talk with Chase a little bit about everything, from his inspirations, to his design process, to the all-new ceramic-coated Olmsted. Welcome, everybody, to episode 44 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Uh, this is a very alliterative episode because you're listening to Whiskey and Watches, and we have with us Chase from Oak and Oscar. Chase, welcome. How you doing? It's good to be here. It's good to have you all the way uh, from about four and a half hours away north of us in Cincinnati and Chicago. So uh, a little bit more alliteration there, two C cities in the Midwest. So uh, welcome. You know, we're, we're, there's going to be a lot of alliteration jokes. Yeah, Someone's been I doing homeschooling. Tell. That sounds like it must be in the, uh, in the program of this week's classwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we, uh, we start everything out uh, with a wrist check and a drink check. So Chase, what is on your wrist and what is in your glass? Oh, uh, let's see. On my wrist is uh, the brand new Oak and Oscar Olmsted matte ceramic coated case. It's a really fun piece. Just launched it. Um, fuck, I don't know. Last week? I don't know. It kind of all blends in together. <laughs> and um, I want to say it was Thursday. Since this is a no date, uh, I actually don't know what day it is. So uh, it works out. Uh, also quarantine. Uh, and then for <laughs> drinking, uh, you guys will probably appreciate this one. It is a... Woodford Reserve, which on its own is a little boring, but what makes it a little bit more fun is it's the Churchill Downs Turf Club number two. It's a bottle you can actually only get from the turf club at Churchill Downs, um, and they typically only sell it uh, around like Thanksgiving Derby time. Um, I actually have a friend who was part of the group who um, helped pick out the barrels for it, and it's just really delicious, and you can't buy it anywhere else. And I I figured... uh, it's a podcast about whiskey. I don't want to have something boring. Yeah. I got yeah. something good. <laughs> and it, it's real tasty. The Turf Club number one, not so good. Turf Club number two, delicious. Turf Club number three is also pretty good. So if you see them, get them. Just not number one necessarily. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on to, uh, we have another kind of half guest. He's made an appearance, uh, on the show. He's, uh, from the other group text that we have, uh, with the watch nerds here, uh, locally in Cincinnati, the, the part of the original foursome from, I want to say it was 2018, the whiskey and watches event that we met at, uh, Ryan is on the show again. Ryan's a, a, an Oak and Oscar fan. So he's like, I'm hanging out. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta chat with our guy, Chase. So, uh, Ryan, what are you drinking and what is on your wrist? Um, so, uh, I'm drinking the Maker's Mark 101, which is, um, I think, actually really tasty. Uh, Maker's Mark is something that people can take or leave, but it's pretty universally available. The 101, I think, makes a huge difference. I think that proof does make a difference, and I highly recommend it. And um, on the wrist, I have actually took it off from the show. So this is the Tudor Black Bay. Actually, I, I bought based on inspiration from you. Mike, I remember the first time. No, 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 no I'm just joking. We I know. Were, we were talking about it, and uh, I looked at it for a long time. Never had the opportunity to actually put it on my wrist. And uh, you had it at one of the times we were meeting up. Um, this is, you know, the smiley face at a movement. And I just, the minute I held it, I was like, this feels like what I think a dive watch should feel like. I went ahead and purchased one, and I've uh, really enjoyed it ever since. Nice. Spangler, what have you got? Uh, well, on my wrist, I am also repping a Black Bay, but it's going to be my Black Bay 58. 
Um, back on the original oyster bracelet after a long uh, hiatus. I don't normally wear it on the oyster for people out there. Um, I like to switch it up. I normally have it on a Jubilee because I like that look. I think it's strange, and I love strange looks on watches. Uh, as for the drink, I've got a uh, Henry McKenna 10-year, um, which is, a, it's a, I think, a great all-around bourbon. I think, uh, I think the world thinks that. It's got been rated <laughs> so high for a long time. Yes. Uh, ever since it won. Uh, what what year did it win? Best bourbon think, or something? I think it was like 2019, maybe? Yeah, it was Yeah, super, super recent. And I, I recently just got introduced to it. This is my first bottle. Uh, they've been popping up a little bit more uh, often in Cincinnati recently. So I guess I can get some more if I need to. But for the time being, this bottle is uh, doing me just fine. And I... I thoroughly enjoy it. So if you can find a bottle, highly recommend it. I need to get to Cincinnati. You can't find them anywhere around here. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's the funny because you'll hear later, I can't find certain things in here that I can get up in. I'm from South Bend, Indiana originally. So what I go, I go on my bourbon runs when I'm visiting family. <laughs> Indiana's actually got some good little hidden treasures. Of yeah. Bourbon. Uh, I, I've found a lot of Elijah Craig uh, single barrels. I found, um, some Weller 12 years in Indiana. It's surprising. Yeah. All right, Buzzy, what have you got for us? All right. Before I get to my own stuff, can confirm the Smiley Black Bay is delightful. The Etta movement makes it nice and slim. Honestly, it's the way to go. For a while there in the aftermarket, yeah, they saw a price bump because people wanted the the thinner one. It is sweet. It's so choice. I've got the smiley face with a red dial. I like it a lot. Yes, that's that's a fine fine decision on your yeah. part. That's a yeah. it's a good one. I think that's the one Ryan's got. <laughs> yep. I mean, yep. I don't mean to interject, but I fell in love with this watch when I put it in my hands. I, I just did, and um, I know later we'll get to talk about. You know, uh, Chase's stuff, but you know there is something about when you you can close your eyes and feel a watch. Sometimes I know it feels right, and that's that's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful aesthetic. Absolutely, absolutely. So to my drink, I I just finished a postprandial Rheingeist Dad beer, which is a hoppy holiday ale. I was so glad to to hear that they were coming back out on the shelves again. I, I knew at some point pre-November is when they rolled out. They're tasty. And it's a beer that like even my wife likes. So that that's always beneficial. Uh, and then in honor of our guest from Chicago, and more precisely in honor of my two favorite cocktail bars in Chicago, Violet Hour and Untitled, I decided to make an old fashioned uh, tonight with Larceny bourbon. I am really out of practice on my old fashioned making. I don't have any simple syrups. I had to just whisk up some, some sugar, but you know what? It's okay. It's delicious. Here's a key. The key is Luxardo cherries. More fruit, by the way, should be stored by soaking it in liqueur. That's that's my hot take. That's my first hot take of the night. Okay. Hot take. I'm sure, there will be many more. Exactly. Just, well, just that'll a, be the first sound effect for the night too. 
Yeah, we we were discussing before the show that we need some some very cool sound effects, like like on a radio show. Oh well. Okay, on my wrist, I've got my Monta Sky Quest on. Great watch. I've been wearing it quite a bit recently. The Toolist Micro Adjust is quite fun. You don't know that how much you want it until you have it. You find yourself utilizing it throughout the day. I do have a hot take here uh, also. The GMT movements, I can't wait for, for those true GMT movements to, to get to the point where they're more accessible uh, for everyone else because I have bumped the GMT hand forward multiple times recently just by like trying to change the date and spinning it the wrong way and bumping the hand forward. So come on, true, true flyer movements need to need to get to the masses, make it, make it happen. I believe right, Edo just came out with one, didn't they? They, they did. It's the, they did a Powermatic 80 version. That's in a, a Mido that just came out, which is, yeah. it'd be, I mean, I don't know that Edda's going to be sharing that with anybody though, which is unfortunate. Um, but I was right now with anybody. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of lame. I will say this though, Buzzy. So I have a I have a Grand Seiko that's got a jumping hour hand, and I still, with trying to be as precise as possible, there's that weird like week where UTC jump doesn't like they jump ahead first, and then we don't, and then we catch up, and it it there's that week in the fall and in the spring where daylight savings time in the U.S. and daylight savings time in e- in the EU are not the same. Um, and I royally, I had to completely reset that watch like twice because I had all sorts of, like, I was all sorts of messed up with the date, the time, the, the 24 hour and everything. So it doesn't always, uh, it, the true, the flyer GMT doesn't always help because if you got to remember how many hours you're off from, if you're trying to keep track of UTC, which is what I do, if you're using it as a AM PM indicator, maybe a little bit different, but, uh, yeah, I was like four hours off and I was five. Like, it was weird. I don't even know I, what happened. Um, I mean, I also yeah. was tracking UTC. I haven't switched it back, though. It's okay. We'll let it, uh, <laughs> you know, let, let's be honest. Most of the time, it's it's just there to look cool, like most oh, locations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I guess I will round it out. Uh, in my glass, I'll start with a drink first. I have a Blade & Bow, uh, which I picked up on my last trip up to South Bend. Um, really like it. It's from the Stitzel Weller distillery, um, in Louisville. Um, don't really know too much about it. It was, uh, it was a higher price bourbon that was on sale and I saw Weller in the name. Uh, so I figured I couldn't go wrong. Um, so it, it really enjoy it. Um, you know, been, been working my way through the bottle. Uh, don't know that much about it. Need to do a little bit more research, but on my wrist, uh, Chase was kind enough to send us a, uh, Oak and Oscar Humboldt which is the uh, 40 millimeter field watch with the bi-directional bezel, uh, which more watches should have bi-directional bezels, uh, especially ones that are done this well. Um, it's the navy blue dial, which uh, you know, I, I was talking with Chase. I couldn't quite tell in my crappy basement lighting the other night I was wearing it, whether it was a very, very deep slate gray or a dark navy blue that's very matte. Uh, it goes a lot of different ways. Light really plays with this one, despite it being a very matte dial. Uh, really like the color. The, uh, the detail on the on the seconds hand, the little barrel counterbalance. I love the little, like, I don't know. It looks like a, a very, very tiny T at the top of the seconds hand that just runs around the seconds track. I love the detail. Um, 
even though I live in Cincinnati, Chase and I were talking about this the other night. I'm a big Bears fan, so the colors really work for me. Um, the the navy and the orange, um, and just it's all the little details. The sandwich dial. Um, I'm gonna say the bezel. The bezel to me is a hybrid of my Tudor and my Omega Seamaster, which I think those are those are pretty two good watches from a bezel action perspective to be compared to. I would think um, it's just it's got the it's, it, I don't know how to describe it, but like if you, if you, if you mashed the Tudor 60 click with the ball bearings and the, the Seamaster, which I was actually wearing also earlier today as well, like it just, that's the feel to it. It's, it's, I mean, for those of you at home, I don't know if you can hear that, but there it is. Um, we like to do the, that's, that's one of our few sound effects we do on the podcast is the bezel check. Um, that and, um, for a, for another fan of Oak and Oscar, uh, Bryant down at the uh, Carolina Watch Club, he asked if we uh, if we uh, edited those in, and no, those are actual ice cubes uh, in our in our uh, in our whiskey glasses. So shout out to Bryant. Uh, I know he's been on a, in a video uh, with you, Chase, that you guys yep. do for your channel uh, after he finished the was it a full or a half marathon up in Chicago that he picked up his Humboldt. I'm pretty sure it was the half. Not to okay. discredit him from not doing a full, but yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to think about running a half, so I'll give him I'll give Bryant some some mad props for for running the Chicago Marathon uh, about it. Was it a year ago or two years ago? I don't know. It's twenty twenty, man. Yeah, <laughs> nobody knows what time it is, what day it is. Yeah, no, I think it was. I think it was two thousand nineteen that okay. we did it ish. Yeah, right. Um, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, and no, I mean I'm like half sure of that. Um, <laughs> It was uh, it was a lot of fun. He he flew yeah. in, he ran the race, and the next day he came in and we filmed the watch table. Which, uh, if people know about it or not, it's a, a phenomenally fun series that we do, where we sit down with people who own uh, one of our watches and we talk to them about their entire collection, not just their Oak and Oscar piece. Frankly, that's like a small portion of it. It's you know, like we had Eric wind on and we talked about one of his Newman's and like his collection of crickets and, and like shit like that. And then like, okay, let's talk about that open Oscar. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've, we've had some pretty phenomenal people on who I'm just, I'm honored to have as owners, uh, which for folks who don't know, we don't call people customers. We call them owners. It's just, it's more, it's, it's more part of the brand. It's more of something that is um, inherently to me more genuine than just someone who's a customer, which sounds way more transactional. And I don't like that. Um, but it's just a tremendous amount of fun to talk about other people's timepieces and seeing their collection. You know, we've had folks who it's all vintage, like Justin Vrakis and uh, Rob, who's Basimu on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. to folks who prefer modern pieces only. And um it's awesome. And I, I'm not going to lie. I will never get tired of seeing my watch next to like a Newman or a Longa or a, 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 an Oaks and junior or like, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Like yeah. to be in those collections to me is just nuts. Go ahead, Ryan. So a question, you know, um, in terms of the process of developing the aesthetic of your watches, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Is it you and some other folks? Is it kind of you when you wake up in the middle of the night in a fever dream and choose it? What's the process? Because I see there's, you know, as Mike said, incredible uh, design notes from classic watches, and there's also some innovation. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think really when it comes down to design, it's about what makes me excited. If if that if that makes any sense, like. 
we'll work on a design um, and we'll kind of get an idea of what kind of watch we want to make. And, and I'm like, cool, here's, here's what's marginally in my head. And we'll go through that process of creating uh, um, different, different, I won't say prototypes because it's not physical, but different drafts of design and going from adding and taking and adding and taking different features and finally getting to the point where we are chiseling it into the world of, holy fuck, I like it. Um, and get to the point where I'm like, yep, that's it. Like the Humboldt, for example, um, we were working through a couple different designs, a couple different ideas. And then all of a sudden I saw the photo or a picture of uh, a drawing, if you will, of what is almost effectively the current iteration. And I was like, that's it. We're good. It just felt right. It just felt right. And then each continual step, it just, it keeps getting to the point where it's more right. We don't necessarily look at previous designs from other companies and say, cool, how do we adapt that? Um, because we started with our own design language from the very first watch, the Burnham. The Burnham was the very first watch we did. And we've, we've been able to carry a lot of that language through every watch we've done. Even if it's been, for example, like the Jackson, which was a watch that had applied indices. It wasn't a, a sandwich style, which we've done most of, um, but all the design cues, the the orange, the lines, the, how they're drawn, it's all reminiscent. Uh, and another little fun, fun tip about the Jackson is the subdials. The numbers on the subdial are actually the exact same font as the numbers on the Burnham, Sanford, Humboldt, Olmsted, et cetera, et cetera, just printed on the subdial and not sandwich. So we've taken sandwich numerals and translated them into print for the subdials. Just a quick follow-up. So would you say that thematically, and again, I'm looking at the website right now and, and looking and you know, the pieces are different. They, they're distinct in their own way. What would you say is a theme that is maybe uniformly there in, in your line? Like that's something that we've put in. Maybe every watch, dare I say. Like every watch that we'll ever make or have ever made? Yeah. I think uh, a good quality design, as, as frankly, as, as you know, maybe bullshit of an answer that is, that is, good quality design with a bunch of details mixed with um, kind of a, a, a balance of high legibility with clean. I would agree. Legibility jumped out to me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but. They're super legible. Yeah, I know. Cool. And that's what we want to put across by all means. I think just a good, uh, solid American quality design. I don't want to say like tool watch per se. Uh, like field watch, like the Olmstead is a great tool watch, but it's not like it's hardened steel that, you know, go take a hammer to it. Like Sin makes awesome tool watches. Damasco makes awesome tool watches. Like that's, that's their own, that's their own fucking league. They do a great job at it. Um, and we're not coming after them for that. You know, we, we just make really good, high quality, casual watches that can be used and worn in so many different scenarios. Like we were talking about the Humboldt, that's a 12 hour bezel. So you can use that as a GMT light. You can use that as a timer device. You can, if you really want, you could use it under the water. But what's great about it is you can use it in so many different cases in so many different ways. And the design of it is good, clean, well thought out. And that's really kind of the nuts and bolts of what we do. And what I will say, like you're mentioning the 12-hour the, the bezel on the watch that I'm currently wearing. Um, thank you for doing a fully graduated bezel 
<laughs> not enough people do that, especially when you go 12 hour. The, the, the fact that it is fully graduated for every minute makes it that much more useful, um, which, you know, I, we're, we're, I'm looking at all of it. Like, I, I don't dive like, like if, if, if it was the summer and we could socially distance at the pool, like it may have gotten wet, <laughs> but like, like I'm using it for, let's be real. I'm using it for the grill. Like that's yep. what I'm going to use it for. And, and I've got two little kids. I'm using it as an app timer and, yep. and having you, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Having oh, yeah. the, full, yep, the full graduation on that is, is just so much more useful. And, and I, I know very few of my dive watches are even, full. I think I've got four or five dive watches. I think only two of them are fully graduated. Um, but like, that's one of those, it's a design, it's a design element. And I think it makes the watch clean all the way around, but it's also it's utility. Like that's, yeah. That these things are supposed to help you time things. Like that's what we're saying. Because we wanted to add that design element in there, but at the same time, we wanted to make sure that one made sense, two made sense visually, and and three was an appropriate way to use that space for markings. Uh, you know, but to your point, like we want to add utility. We don't want to add fluff of nonsense of like, why the fuck do they put that in there? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. But like that seems extra. That seems. We don't want anything extra in there. We're all about a ton of tiny details, a ton of them, but we're not going to put stuff in there. That's just like fluff and just like, ah, why not? That sounds good. Here, yeah. Here's the uh, tiny details that I really liked when I, I saw the Humboldt uh, today, really love the circle cutout on your sandwich dial, you know, just the inboard of all of the numerals. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, is... the inner dial ring is what I call that. Yes. That is such. It's it choice. Looks, <laughs> it looks so good. And when, when you've got a sandwich dial, you know, why not? It's not, not like you're adding anything to <laughs> incorporate that, that pick the, uh, the very small, a uh, subtle logo at the six o'clock. Uh, on the yeah, little hidden logo. Yep, that, and then the uh, hidden one in the clasp. That uh, mm -hmm. that's very cool. Color matched date wheel. Yep. To to a very high standard, and then what what's really funny, it doesn't jump out at you. Oh, it didn't jump out at me, right? Might jump out at some of some of the other people out there uh, immediately, but the fact that the minute and hour hands are color matched to the dial. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it all, it just all works very well. Like on the Olmsted, the the German seven is killer. Cross that stem out, baby. <laughs> no, uh, I appreciate that. Like that seven is the way I've written my sevens, and it's how it is on the Burnham. It's how it is on our serial numbers. It's how it is on how I write them all everywhere. So, little things like that make it very personal to me, and that's important. And to your point uh, about the inner dial ring, we almost. Oh man, we almost didn't put that on the humble. That would have been bad that because it was on the <laughs> it was on the Burnham originally. Uh, was that a sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> we, we almost put it on the we put it on the Burnham. We almost didn't put it on the humble because we were worried about why, right? And then we started to realize it's a great way to help the hour hand become very differentiated between the minute hand. And it's a great way to divide up that space on a 40 millimeter watch uh, and to add that extra intrigue. Um, and I can't say anything more, but we have a couple ideas how to use that actual track space for some utilized uh, uh, markings and, and what have you in the future, which is a great thing that we'll be able to continuously use the same kind of design language in the Humboldt and make it 
you know, seamless and organic and look like, oh, fuck, they've had that in their head ever since day one. And the answer is, yeah, we did. And it's a it's a really fun it's a really fun thing. And then the hidden logo just above the six, which obviously is not a secret. It's there. That's a really fun thing. And that was us solving a design. Let's call it a problem. Um, our original logo, which we don't really use anymore as a locked up logo, was Oak and Oscar with the bourbon barrel on top. And one thing that we did on the Burnham and the Sanford, which everyone really loved, and I loved it, that's why I you know, pushed real hard to make it, is the counterbalance of the orange seconds hand, that logo, matched perfectly with the logo on the dial. It was great, it was fun, it was dubbed uh, either the Eclipse or the Stonehenge by whomever, whatever, so those are two main things. Uh, I think the Eclipse might be the most common thing they call it now, but um, for our Jackson, which is the chronograph, we couldn't make the tail of the central second hand uh, that long and heavy because as a flyback, there was too much torque and it would have pushed the hand far too much. It would have been too much pressure, too much force. So we we're like, fuck, what do we do? And we we're drinking bourbon and looking <laughs> at a big 12 foot projector screen we have in the office. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, why don't we print the logo matte color as the same as the dial? It's literally just an extra layer of print. So it's going to look darker right at the exact place where the hand sits. And we're like, yep, that's it. We solved it. And then now we've done it ever since because personally, I prefer the Oak and Oscar logo without the, um, without the barrel on top. I like I like to keep that more on the uh, uh, crown and other little hidden areas. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. The Germans. And, and by the way, I should I should clarify when I say with the Jackson, uh, we couldn't keep the 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 counterbalance as long as we needed it to be to match with the dial. So it still has it, but it's not as long as it would need to be for that for that symmetry to match up. Yeah, the German seven. That's the correct way to write seven. That's what Herr <laughs> Deschner taught me back back in high school. Uh, would have been bonus points if you wrote the one correctly too, but that's uh, okay. <laughs> a little, little, little serif on it. Um, hey, you know, Chase, have you guys uh, thought about having a section of your website that shows off some of the older stuff that you've done? Uh, it might be there and it's just hard to find, but uh, you know, you've got a lot of really cool stuff that. So if the... you go to all watches, you'll see all of our watches. Okay. Um, and, and it's funny. You, it's funny. You bring that up um, because on a, on a blog, which I'm not sure how, if you guys are naming other blogs or not, um, uh, doesn't doesn't bother me. Go yeah, doesn't bother us. Yeah, some, some places like don't mention this. Oh yeah, um, we are. Uh, on on Hodinkee, they recently uh, introduced Olmsted Matt, and um, there was a comment that somebody made. What was interesting it was a comment that was made after they had already said, "Gosh, if this watch were forty-two millimeters, you'd have my money." Um, and if you have my word, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, cool, that's fine, whatever. But then like later, obviously he'd been to my site and he was looking around later. He then felt it necessary to go back to Hodinkee and make a post. Um, and, and by the way, like I appreciate criticism because it's how you learn. 
And I appreciate someone's input because it's unique and different from mine. And that's good because I can't just work in this world if it's only from my perspective. I'll preface that. Let me now I've done that. Um, <laughs> but that the, the comment was you shouldn't have your old sold out watches on your website because I can't buy them and you just lost me as a customer. And there's more to it. I'm sure there's a lot more to it that I'm not giving him enough credit for. He's probably talking about why do you have limited editions? Because, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I feel it's a marketing gimmick, this, that, and the other, which one, it's not. We're small. We can only buy so much. But to get to the point, it's funny you mentioned that because he literally said, why would you have that on your website? Why would you show all your old watches on your website? And, and for me, and, and I think, Buzz, you might agree with this. And I know, Michael, you do too. Um, it's really great for me to show the history of what we've done, the story of how it's evolved from day one to now, um, as well as if watches are trading secondhand, which they do. I want someone to be able to go online onto our website, which should have the most accurate information, and they'll be able to look up the Sanford, the Jackson, the Burnham, the batch number one. Oh, no, actually, that's not on the website. Sorry. The, all these other <laughs> watches we've done and be able to reference them. Uh, and, and so for me, it only makes sense to have them. Um, so, Buzz, maybe what I need to do is make it a little bit more apparent. Uh, go into the Go into the wind rather than try to shy away from it. Um, but no, for us, it's important to have all the watches there um, to the point where I'm sure you guys have been to the Worn and Wound wind-up show in New York, or at least wanted to go. Yeah, um, we wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully they'll have them again. Uh, and hopefully we'll have one in Chicago, which, you know, you guys should come out. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we were planning on going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, and when you do, there. we'll do a special podcast from RHQ. How about that? Oh, yeah, yeah for oh, sure. Yeah. That's um, done. Done and done. But, uh, <laughs> but one thing that we always would do is we would bring this big vitrine, uh, this display case, and show off the old watches that we've made in the past. So it was like in a nice row from the Burnham, et cetera, et cetera. And every year we'd add another one or two watches. Um, and there's always a debate whether we should keep doing that or not. Because it caused some issues because people are like, oh, I love that Sanford. Can I buy it? And I'm like, no. Well, why is it here? I'm like, to show you what we've done. But then, flip side, we'd have people come over to the booth and say, oh, I've never seen one in person. It's so cool to see it. And they obviously get it. They, they, yeah. they research the brand. They know who we are. And it's something where people can't see some of these watches in the metal. Um, and so why not have them there? Oh, exactly. I mean, I, the other thing, too, is it, it, it's good to see how the designs have evolved. But it's also good to see all of these and how they fit together as a family. I mean, you know, we've we've talked to a lot of brand owners like yourself. Um, and I think that the most important thing that everybody can kind of do in, in this industry is come up with your own design language. And you like to see all these things as a family. I mean, I look at one of your watches and like, that's an Oak and Oscar. I look at yeah. our buddy here locally, Rick, I was like Rick, Rick owns Cincinnati watches. Like that's one of Rick's watches. Like you, you can just tell looking at a watch, like you look, Oh, that's a Laurier. Like I know exactly what a Laurier looks like. I mean, you, and, and that helps kind of, it, it, it's the brand identity. It's the brand recognition. It's one of those things where I want to see all of your watches together somewhere. One, like you said, for reference, like, I mean, yes, I, I really like the Jackson. I know you guys aren't making them right now, but if I ever wanted to make sure I knew what I was looking at, I would be checking your website first to say, okay, I see someone's got one here locally. You know, what, what am I looking for? I want to make sure to make sure this is right. And there's, everything's correct with it. Um, but it's, it's good to see how the brand has evolved and how everything stays together 
and it's a uniform language. I mean, that's kind of how that's, yeah. that's how it should be. Like I would want to go to your website to see everything. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I like that it adds is it shows people that we've been around for five years, which is yeah. a pretty long time for, you know, small and independent brands. And it shows that we've been around for a while. We plan on being around for a while and you can trust us. We've done this before. Um, yeah. And in fact, we've done some really fucking complicated things before flyback, yeah. six power reserve, column wheel, stacked register, manual wound, like that watch and alone was the watch that we're like, we're putting our flag out and we're saying, look yeah. at us. Um, and you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Ryan, I think you got something for us. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, um, just talking about the design language, which, you know, I think, I think Mike was, uh, alluding to very well. Um, you know, if you want to talk chase, maybe about something that early on in your life influenced you, I know for me, there was a Swiss army field watch that I own to this day that I got, um, as a graduation gift from middle school to high school. And, you know, and it just, it was like the watch that made me think like, this is kind of the concept of where I think a watch should have, um, you know, can name brands, you cannot, you can not answer the question at all. But um, what would be something that you like, yeah, that was kind of in my watch infancy, something that influenced me design wise. So it's not actually watches that I can say necessarily were the main influences for me. Um, you know, of course, there's the world of the sandwich dial, which I was completely enamored by with Panerai, right? But that's about it. Like for me, there's a lot of stuff that it's more of like outside in the world itself, like the Navy and the orange. Um, you know, you're, you're Michael talking about the bears fan. For me, I grew up being, uh, um, indoctrinated into university of Virginia world. Um, like my, my entire family back to like my great grandparents all went there. I'm the first person not to. Um, and so like, you know, I could look at my old storage closet and find like little running shorts from that probably fit a two-year-old and they were mine, right? And navy and orange. <laughs> I've grown up with navy and orange with with like dark charcoal grays. It's just, it's just, it's just what I wear and who I am and it's what I like. And and so a lot of that is when it comes down to the high level uh color choices that we use. I like deep whiskey colored, if you will, leather. And that's exactly where our leather is. Uh, and it comes down to things that we see, for example, in, 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 in structures and cities and nature. Like the very first watch is named Daniel, after Daniel Burnham. Uh, Burnham being a city planner, architect extraordinaire. And, and funny side stories, um, after we had launched the Burnham and actually I think we had already sold out, I was contacted by the Burnham family, like the matriarch of oh, wow. the family. I was like, fuck, I'm getting sued. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Luckily, uh, she was actually just emailing me to say that it was refreshing to see a a very high quality, well-made product with their name on it because there's so much stuff that's just put like, you know, with burn them this, burn them that and blah, blah, blah. And and it's one of the first, if not only watch. Uh, I think subsequently there's now been like a, a, a brand called Burnham Watch, which is really confusing for some folks. And I'm not a big fan of that, but what have you. Um, and, and we actually we actually ended up having uh, a, a coffee at the Art Institute here in Chicago, right outside the Burnham Library, no, which wow. is a full power play, right? <laughs> which with full respect, if I had a, a library named after me, that's exactly where all of my meetings might be. Um, but, Regardless, like we became close and, and, and her, I think it was her son. Um, her son was celebrating a, 
a birthday and we ended up, um, I ended up, we made three Burnham prototypes and one pro- two prototypes are with me. And now one of the prototypes is actually with the Burnham family, oh, wow. which to me is, is phenomenal. So to get, to get back to your, your question, um, much of it is inspiration from outside sources other than watches, whether it's cars, chairs, uh, um, books, typography, like all of this stuff. It's all stuff that we're surrounded by every day. It's not just watches. I don't want to look at the watch and say, how can I do that better? I'm going to look at what's my environment and say, how can I make that into a watch? I actually think just, you know, just to jump in back, that's such a wonderful answer that your inspiration is. And again, like if you said it came from this specific watch, I think it'd be a wonderful answer too. But the idea like maybe it came from, you know, the uh, engineering of a railroad or the honeycomb of a bee. Like, I think it's just a very interesting answer. Um, and I also surmise that maybe that is kind of an aesthetic of um, colors that will or currently run through your products. And you mentioned that UVA situation, looking through your stuff on my phone right now as you're talking, I definitely do see that. And it's interesting because those are the themes, right? Those are the style cues that are your line. For sure. But it's it's a lot of really interesting things, and design is super important to us. Like, for example, this logo, which is the same logo that's on the back of the new Olmstead mat, this is essentially what we've dubbed as our Parkleaf logo, which is a sign for the Olmstead. What's great is Frederick Law Olmstead, which is the considered the founder of um, landscape architecture. He was all about natural spaces in an urban environment. He wanted to give folks who were a, you know, quote, common man, the ability to find nature during the hectic days. Um, and so what this logo actually is, is it is park leaf logo where it, it looks kind of like it could be a tree leaf. But at the same time, if you look the other way, if you will, it's actually the corner of a building. So what's really cool about this logo is it really just epitomizes and, and demonstrates very clearly, um, for example, the Olmstead, which is the world of landscape, natural world, architecture, buildings, environment, urban environment. So we really like to look further than just the watch world. I think that's amazing. And I think for listeners and just fans of um, creative endeavors, that's so interesting. Um, I'm kind of delighted that when I asked what watch inspired you, you're like, it's not a watch. You know, it's, you know, I didn't just wake up one day and be like, I want to make another version of XYZ. Um, I think that's actually a, a really intriguing answer. And I think that now knowing that people listening can look at your product and understand that through a different lens. I appreciate that. It's important to me that the watches that we make um, are not copies of others. We're not trying to be a better XYZ or a a more affordable XYZ. That is that is not our world. There are a lot of small brands who are doing that. Big brands too, let's be honest. But there are micro brands, small independent brands, big brands who are doing that. And I don't, I don't, I don't, it's it's awesome for them because Copies of Rolex sell out fast, but they're not interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like your everyday boring dive watch to me is not interesting. And you've not done a dive watch yet. I haven't. Yeah. No, and, and truthfully, a lot of that is because I can't, I don't have a dive certification yet. <laughs> <laughs> it would feel weird to do a dive watch or weird to do something where I have absolutely no knowledge on. Like the Jackson is kind of like a car racing inspired thing. I can drive a fucking stick shift like a beast. But, <laughs> you know, uh, for me, uh, um, 
I haven't done a dive watch yet because one, it feels too generic. Two, everyone's doing them. Yeah. Uh, and and three, I have to make sure that it's a genuine thing for me. And and let's be honest, if that means I get to go an expensive trip down to somewhere near a coral reef, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I gotta get certified first. Yeah. So why don't we get a little bit into? I mean, I, I know some people probably already know this. Uh, but we have to ask you the brand name. I know a little bit of the story and I've seen it pop up other places and other people are like, okay, like where do you come up with Okanagan? Like what's the, sure. yeah. So, so let's, let's go I, into the brand name. Yeah. I get, I get responses all the time about the name. Um, you know, there's a, a small subset of folks who are like, oh, it's a fucking hipster name. Like, where's your man bun? And I'm like, one, I'm bald. I don't have a man bun. <laughs> um, but two, you know, starting Okanoscar from the very beginning was about something for me as a personal thing. I quit a corporate gig to do this. Uh, good money, great benefits, security, all that stuff that sounds amazing right now. But it was something that was like kind of stuck in my soul dry. Great team, great coworkers, but I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't passionate about it. And I wanted to do something that I could take better control of my life in terms of work-life balance, being proud, passionate, and all these great things. And for me, I love bourbon, which is aged in oak barrels. And I've always grown up with dogs. My first word was my dog's name as a kid. Um, I have a dog now. Uh, we we um, his name's Oscar. Actually, he he <laughs> you know, uh, predated the company, so the the company is actually partially named after him. And as I said prior, he doesn't get any royalties. Lots of biscuits, <laughs> royalties. Um, but part of our profits do go to a local dog shelter, which is really important to me. And I love that. I'm, I'm a lucky, lucky guy. So now I get to spend more time playing with watches, drinking bourbon. My dog comes to the office and I've got more family time. So it really comes down to a very personal thing. Oak for bourbon, Oscar, my dog. And I love it. If for me, it is very simple and true to who I am. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, I, that's a great story. And, and when you say that, it like, you say it like that, I mean, I, the logo, the barrel, I, I, I think that's obvious, but everyone's wearing it like Oscar. It's like, oh, this is a dog. Oh, like everybody loves their dog. Who doesn't love their dog? Yeah. I mean, and he's he's got a great alliterative name for what you went with too. So like that all works out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, truthfully, like I, I, I don't even know where the name Oscar came from. Like, it, I, well, actually scratch that. I know exactly where it came from, but I would have never thought I would have had a dog named Oscar. My wife, <laughs> who I had to convince to get a dog was like, fine, but only if I can name him Oscar. That's a like, really odd stipulation. Well, well, I mean, there's more, right? Like it couldn't shed this, that, and the other. Yeah. But like, she's like, but you have to name I want to name him Oscar. I'm like, okay, sure. I don't care. But a dog. Um, so that's where Oscar came from. And I truthfully, she doesn't even know where it came. She just, first, maybe she pulled it out of her hat and was just like, I'll take some, I'll take some control of this. I don't know. She knew I was going to do it anyway. So maybe, maybe that's her like inside joke for the rest of my dog's life. Is that like, ha uh, Who knows? I mean, we had like the, the, the neighbors down the street from my grandparents, their, their dog's name is Oscar. So I mean, it's, it's a great dog name. Like I, I, it's, it's not a, to me, an odd name. It's just weird that that was her one, like one of the things like he needs to be named Oscar. I'm like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Should we call whatever you want? It's a great dog name. So yeah. I'm like, perfect. That yeah. sounds fine. I'll have a dog now. Yeah, it's not just for grouches. Feel, no, not just not. for grouches. <laughs> Although I feel like if you have a dog named Oscar, it has to have a certain personality behind yeah. it. Describe so, that personality for me, and I'll tell you if it's true or not. 
uh, you know, almost uh, maybe a little bit stuck up, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, an air about themselves. Um, no, he puts his nose in the trash, no problem. Okay. <laughs> so he's more of he's more of the of the he's more of the grouch, the grouch. Yeah. 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 Okay. There you go. But he's always happy, wagging that tail. There you go. So yeah, that's where the name comes from, and it's something that's really personal to me. And I and, and whenever I explain that to someone who's like, I don't like it, I'm like, cool. But here it is. And 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 truthfully, I understand when someone wants to uh, have they have a preference to something that's a little bit more against the grain, a little bit more of like, oh, that's a fucking trend, this, that, and the other. But if you look at all of these other watch companies from way back in the day, they've had their own trends from you know back then too. Like you have all of, like back in the fifties with like the words like intramatic and like blah, blah, blah. Like that's all part of a branding scheme. If you will, back then um, it, it really comes down to like, if you name that, whatever it may be to something that is genuine and true to you and your brand, it's going to last forever. It's going to be timeless. It's going to be something where you can continuously call that name and be proud yeah. of it for however long you need to. So speaking about that that sort of situation, how many humans are in a room when decisions are made? You are one. Like, what is your team like? And again, you don't have just for most what kind of decisions. Like, like for me, what is your crew? How many folks? So when you talk about decisions being made, like for the Oak and Oscar, it was literally a. a I had a glass of uh, the naming, I should say. I had a glass of bourbon on my couch, and I was like, "Oh fuck, that's it! I love it." Oak and Oscar. <laughs> um, it was me at like 10, 11 p.m. on a weeknight. Um, okay, Howard Hughes. But in terms of like when you're usually doing things, what is what is the creative like? Ten people, twelve people, zero people. So when it comes to making like company decisions, it is it is me using the input of people that I trust and respect. Uh, we have Nathan, our watchmaker, who uh, is relatively new, but he's a guy who is just unbelievably full of amazing information and detail about everything from movements to technical to this, that, and the other. And I love it. But we also have our Swiss team out in Switzerland, obviously. Um, Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, let me, uh, I'll keep going with the question that, that you asked here. Um, but when it comes to like the decision-making, I also have a close group of friends who um, are just in the watch world as collectors, as, as buyers, as friends. Uh, maybe they are they work at stores, and I kind of talk to them about their kind of general opinion about things to understand. Uh, what's your opinion on a, you know, for example, a, a drilled through lug or not? You know that kind of stuff. Always drill them. Um, Always yeah. drill them. <laughs> you know, I of course don't know everything by all by any means, and I am absolutely happy to learn from those who know more than me. Uh, and then to go back to your question about the Swiss production team, we have a team in Switzerland who uh, help us handle the technical design, the uh, production, procurement of parts and pieces, uh, and a lot of the QC of the actual uh, toolings and then the final pieces themselves. And in the past, although this is something we're changing, in the past, they would also do the assembly for us. So all of our watches could have you know the big Swiss made on the dial, but that's never been something we've wanted to do. We've always felt it a little odd since we're a Chicago-based company that putting Swiss made on the dial feels a little, like, not to be too literal, foreign. It feels a little bit not true to who we are. Um, and especially now, we are actually planning to do, uh, with the exa example of the Olmsted mat is the very first line we're doing this with, all the assemblies can be done in Chicago. So if you do the assembly in Chicago, even with Swiss parts, you can't call it Swiss made. Um, I should say if you do the assembly in the U.S., 
So for us, that was never part of the strategy because we knew one day we were going to do all the assembly that we could here in the U.S. Um, so that's the Swiss team. There is it, it, they're great. Like I, I've been working with ladies very closely, Christine, for years, and and she's I think third generation in the watch industry, um, and it's just something where you know that you're getting great attention and care from people who've been doing this for a lot longer than I've been even alive. Mm-hmm. So you're talking a little bit more about um, being, you know, doing all the assembly in Chicago, which I think, or some moving the assembly, at least for the new piece um, here. Why don't we talk a little bit about the, uh, the new piece that just came out? It was either Wednesday or Thursday last week, because I saw somebody else post it. You shared some of the press picks. I was like, well, I guess I can post this now since other people are posting it. Uh, yeah. I guess <laughs> it was just, wait, geez, I don't know. I think for me, um, and what, what maybe is a secret out there, I don't know, but we actually give all of our owners first crack at every watch we make. Nice. So the owners actually had, it was released to them on Monday. Um, and it was released to the public, I guess it was Wednesday. Um, so the owners had already seen it, the whole website, the everything. Uh, it's just something to me that's super important to help take care of them. They've been there from, you know, some of them day one, guys who have literally every one of our pieces in all the different colors. And um, wow. it's, it's, a, it's an honor and by all means, um, the community that we've created around Oak and Oscar is phenomenal. Like every year we actually do an, an annual owner's weekend. So obviously not this year. We have something else that we're going to do and I haven't announced it yet to the owners, but it's not something we really publicize a whole lot. We maybe talk about it, but it's not a shtick for us. It's a thing where we just, you know, each year we invite all the owners across the world into Chicago and it's a Friday and it's a Saturday thing. Um, we get anywhere from to each event, like 30 to 65, 70 people. Um, like last year we did a, you guys will appreciate this considering the name of the podcast. Um, we did a single barrel select pick at few. And so we went to the private rig house with Paul, who's the owner of few and a a friend of mine. And we picked between three different barrels and we bottled it up and it's got my my logo on it. Um, and every owner walked away with a bottle of Oak and Oscar few whiskey that night. Um, and so that was a ton of fun. And the next night we had everyone over at the HQ and had barbecue and a jazz band and a cocktail artist and uh, from the aviary, I think it was, um, and just had a fucking awesome time. And that's just the way it is. It's what we do. It's fun. <laughs> it costs me money. I don't sell watches because of it, but you know what? I get a crap ton of fun. And life should be fun. And, and the amazing community that's created because of this, like we have guys who are like, oh, it's great to see you again. I hadn't seen you since last year, which is the last owner's party. Um, and they're friends now because of it. Like, I just, I love that. How cool is that? And it's all because of a silly little thing on our wrist. Like, I love it. <laughs> Preaching to the and choir it, on that one, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, completely. It's, we've learned through, so we've, we've been doing this podcast. This is episode 44. We haven't missed a week. So we're 44 weeks in and we've got to talk to awesome people like you about, things they're passionate about and you're fostering a community of your owners and it's that's what this is about i mean it is it is about what we're wearing on our wrists but it's about the people you meet through this shared passion of these crazy little tiny machines that tell the time uh not quite as good as your cell phone does of course (laughs) yeah it's 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 not about what's on our wrist it's about it's about the people who choose to put it something on their wrist yes very much very much and speaking of putting something on a wrist and you mentioned you know being uh some of the some of the assembly being in Chicago, um, I know I, I believe he's from Wisconsin. I, I know you guys did something pretty special uh, 
with the U.S. team that finally won the gold medal in curling a couple of years ago. <laughs> you uh, say with, finally, like we've been in the running for like 100 years. Okay, but you know, here's the thing. It was one of those things. I can remember this. So I can remember in college watching it. It's like, hey, this guy, oh, these guys are. Ice things, right? What? Oh, yep. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Ice sound effects. That's for Bryant. <laughs> Uh, there you go, Brian. Yeah. Like, I, I just I can remember watching. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine. I love that guy. Yeah, I, I, I've been I've been talking with him for probably about a, a month or two now because I I tune in on their uh, they do the two talking time um, on yep. Instagram and it's it's a great it's another great little video. It's again it's one of those things that I don't know that if they did it before the pandemic, but it seems like the watch the watch fam has come together more since the pandemic doing things like this, which is great. But, oh, yeah, we did. We were doing a weekly virtual happy hour every Wednesday. Yeah. We had people on Zoom. We had like up to like a hundred some odd people on it a couple times. We did an entire, um, uh, what the fuck do we call it? Independent, Independent together. together. I remember. That. There I remember. we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when um, we that's when we first originally connected. Was right after that, and oh, it, just, right. it took it's us like, this long to get together. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It was fine. I wanted more. <laughs> anyway, anyway um, to get back to the question you're actually trying to ask twice now, Michael. Sorry. Yes. Uh, assembly in Chicago. Here we go. Go for it. Sorry. The uh, the the uh, Jackson flyback for curling, which I said oh, yeah, finally yeah, yeah. because we were we were in the running. We were the underdog, but we were like the we were like that team that you're like you know something. I, it's it, there's that team in the tournament every year that you're like I'm gonna pick them because you know something. We got it. That was us for like three consecutive Olympics, and we finally did it. We finally <laughs> did underdogs <laughs> in curling. Yeah, no, that was a. Tr- I mean, come on, like curling is uh, hypnotic. It's so fun, and it's a sport that let, let's also be honest. Like you can probably play regardless of mostly regardless of what shape you're in, and you can drink while you're doing it. It's great. In in in, I don't want to <laughs> credit. I don't want to discredit the athletes because honestly, they do a lot of training and it is difficult to do it very well. Um, but regardless, uh, so during the Olympics, I was sitting there like learning as much as I could about it. And then I, I started connecting to Matt Hamilton through Instagram and then eventually through text messaging just while he was out there. Um, <laughs> and I was like, dude, like, let's, t-. and he was like, I love watches. I'm like, I love curling. Uh, and we started chatting and then they, they won. And he and I were talking. I was like, what'd you guys do in the end of round eight? That made no sense. And end eight, why did you? And he was like, here's blah, blah, blah. And, and then he was like, oh, by the way, we want to buy a watch for our coach. And I'm like, okay, I have some recommendations. He's like, no, no, no. We want to buy an Oak and Oscar piece. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so as a team, together, they bought one of our watches to give to their coach to celebrate the victory. And he was like, do you think you do something like special, like engrave the back or something like that? And we don't normally do that. But I was like, yes, yes, we can. <laughs> um, and so, of course, we engraved the back with the date of the actual match uh, that they won the gold. But we went a, a, a step ahead uh, uh, beyond that. We didn't really even tell them we were going to do this, but we ended up putting um, a graphic of the curling stone on the dial with, I think it said gold 2018, um, printed that on the dial, assembled it up, and we sent it to them with a leather strap that was what was it i think the strap itself was blue with a red white and blue keeper i think it was um and it was just fun man like we got to make a watch for a gold medal winning team of the most hypnotic and interesting sport there is in the olympics um, <laughs> this is incredible this is, personal. i had no idea this was a thing this is another layer of my intrigue 
This yeah, is incredible. So here's what's awesome. Here's what is awesome. They now all have Humboldts on their wrists, and they wear them every time they play. And they're they've like said like, dude, we are totally wearing these at the next Olympics because these are good luck charms. I'm like, you're awesome. I love it. <laughs> wow. Man. I had no idea. I had no idea of this entire. This is amazing. This is so. Yeah. I mean, it's so awesome. It's so, it's so fun. awesome. Like Hamilton, I, well, like now that's the only watch that I want to own by you. Well, the first watch I want to own because you know watches in so many ways are ways to commemorate personal or you know career uh, milestones. Maybe having a child or you know you know achieving something, whatever. So like to associate yourself with a U.S. national team is just <laughs> it's it's just super. Um, it's an honor. It's an honor. That's that, that's actually the word. I was gonna say interesting, but it's actually an honor. It's an honor. It's humbling. Uh, like when I watch them go through the parade, you know, at the very end, waving with the American flags. I'm like, dude, he and I were just talking. Like, <laughs> and we're just designing a watch for him right now. Like, it was it was so cool. It still is cool. And um, you know, one day for for our owners, sorry. Uh, people who don't own our watches, we're actually in the works. Obviously, not right now. COVID. Um, we're going to do a a like a, a curling lesson with these guys. Um, oh. So, in the area, or who is not in the area and flies in for it, we're going to rent some ice time in Hamilton. And I don't think Schuster is going to get involved. Um, he's he's a, a, a dad, very busy. Um, but Hamilton for sure, and maybe Downs or somebody else. We're gonna. We're just gonna fucking learn how to curl for a couple hours, aka also drink a lot. Um, so from, from the guys who one year were the best in the world at it, one year and still are. Oh, they, yeah, they still are because they, they haven't been the another world, one. They won the world championships in 2019. Holy um, I'm pretty sure of that actually. Yeah. Um, wearing, I believe, the Okanoska watch. There you go. Maybe that's I, the key. I, I, the the only chase. I, I cannot believe right now that on your website you don't have it like smeared across the front. The official watch of the U.S. men's curling team. I feel like that would be an amazing selling point that you're, you're missing out on right now. You know, okay, so I appreciate that feedback. Maybe we need to start doing that. But truth be told, like, we don't have that anywhere. We don't have it anywhere that we've done that or or barely even talk about the Wilson collaboration we did. And, yeah, and Which is another one I want to ask about. Maybe, maybe we should. I don't know. Um, I'm happy to take the advice from you by all means. So you mentioned, you mentioned the Wilton collaboration. Was maybe a little bit tongue in cheek. You know, the verb smear never sounds quite right, but <laughs> I do think that letting people know about your association and your support, I think that's the thing too. Well, the is you're like, you, you're like, you know, what's going to print money curly. <laughs> no, I mean the the thing is, I can't remember what it had to have been. Hodinky that picked that. So, like there was, I remember there was there was a it story. Was on Hodinkee. Yeah, because yeah. that, that's how, that's how I know about it. But it, it's one of those things you read that it's like that is just so cool. And then yeah. I, I know you guys did the the the, uh, the Wilson uh, collaboration. As well. You want to talk a little bit more about no, that? I mean, no, guys. What, I, I was, one. Was, was that with Brian Wilson? <laughs> No, before we move on, it is an awesome story. The only way to top it, feel free to take this advice, because the packaging for your watch is really great. By the way, that was another thing that I was impressed with. But if you ever did a limited edition around this 
and, and had like a curling stone be the case. <laughs> Boom. Mind yeah. blown, baby. I agree. Okay. The shipping cost alone say, of that would be unbelievable. They're granite they stones, yeah. right? They weigh like 40 pounds or something like that. <laughs> Dude, that watch is going to be like a $10,000 watch then. Yeah. Someone yeah. will buy it. I need more than someone. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, so, but, um, you know, I, I, obviously a couple of us, uh, we won't talk about the Detroit Tigers hat that uh, Spangler's wearing, but uh, a lot of us are baseball fans on the, the podcast. The hand me down. Well, okay. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I guess did the collaboration with, um, with Wilson as well. Why don't you talk a little bit about how that came to be and, and, and the unique bezel that's on that piece, man, that came to be in such a weird, random like way. Um, just at my desk, I got an email through our website that was like, Hey, I'm the, you know, brand director for Wilson baseball gloves here in Chicago. And we want to talk to you about, xyz a lot of our players like watches and this that and the other i'm like okay spam um (laughs) i didn't really believe it at first to be very honest um but i was like you know what like sounds interesting maybe it's not fake um and and, um, i emailed them back and and very quickly got a response and we just chatted a little bit and, and they're like cool let's meet for lunch downtown uh and I was like, okay. So I went down there and met with them. Really nice people. We just chatted. We we hit it off. And then we went to their HQ, which, by the way, Wilson's headquartered here in Chicago. Um, and we just chatted. And we're like, hey, we're th- let's do a watch. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's do a watch. Um, and so I was thinking, like, yeah, let's do a watch. But at the same time, I don't want to just do a watch and put the W on it because that's yeah. boring. They yeah. could do that. Like, that's not interesting. So I just was sitting at my desk and I was thinking, what is interesting? How can we make baseball on a watch? That's not kitschy. That's not a cliche. That's not, frankly, bullshit and laughable. How is it? How can we make baseball horologically interesting? Right. And and you have to think to yourself, how do you time baseball? You don't. You don't find baseball. You pay attention to pitches. You pay attention to innings. You pay attention to home runs, et cetera, et cetera. But really, the only thing that has anything to do with timing, really, uh, in terms of actual time, is kind of the innings, right? Because that is tracked time. That's elapsed time, the number of innings. And so I was thinking, we have this great technology in the Humboldt with the bidirectional ceramic ball, et cetera, blah, 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 fancy stuff. Um, but why not use the bezel to track the top and bottom of innings? And it was kind of one of those aha moments. I'm like, oh shit, that could be interesting. This could be really interesting. And I started to think about it more and more. I was just convinced that it was something that was going to be really significantly interesting and not kitschy, not, not like a cliche, not something where it's too on the nose, if you will. There's nothing on there that screams baseball. The most baseball thing that we have on there is the 12 is very subtly a home plate. Very and a lot of folks don't yeah. that. But what is just phenomenal about that is working with this billion dollar company and they're like, yeah, we trust you. You, whatever you want to do, we're good with. <laughs> and we use the green from the field. And also a lot of people who are Cubs fans notice that it's also very similar to the green of the scoreboard. Not going to lie. Cubs fan. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, with it, the white from the lines, and then you've got the leather strap that is literally made out of the A2000 leather. It's such uh, good leather too. <laughs> 
the packaging and buzz to your point, this packaging we made out of the baseball glove leather um, and the, 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 Pro series, I can't remember right off the top of my head what their leather is. That's like the the rippled leather that's um, waterproof, super light. Uh, Barry Bonds was the first one to ever use it. Uh, it's totally escaping me. But regardless, like that's also we made a strap out of that as well. And to have access to these materials was amazing. What really made this amazing as like a baseball fan, as someone who grew up playing baseball when I was a kid, was when we were sitting in the HQ in Wilson and we were like, here's the prototype. And they're like, cool, this is awesome. Let's make a glove. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and again, and so their head glove designer who I'm friends with and still text to, not, uh, you know, um, we actually had a, a, a live happy hour with him as well. Um, was like, here, blah, 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 blah. And then like 15 minutes, it's this beautiful glove this A2000 with our logo in the palm and, and all of our little details and that it just matches and fits with the watch, the whole entire package. And like, that's fucking amazing. And then we're out at Wrigley shooting like professional photos of this watch <laughs> on Wrigley with a ball player. I'm just like, where am I? This is awesome. That was a fun collaboration. It was just, it was just so fun. So, so what I'm hearing is uh, pick up baseball game at one of the future owner meetups. <laughs> um, sure, on Wrigley, why not? Yeah, okay. Wait, was any better than John Cusack? <laughs> I'm sorry. Any better than John Cusack to note oh, and, and, and Bill Murray and yeah. Bill Murray? Come on, that's the one. That's the one that needs to be there. Well, it, I, I kind of like this idea. Keep filling up your owner meetups with these collabos. Like if you get uh, Yeezy or uh, Chance the Rapper uh, limited edition, then you got please entertainment. Please, please, please don't. Dude, I, I, I do. Know all about Chance. <laughs> He's great for Chicago. He's helping people out, the schools, all of that, man. Like I would love to – I'd be proud to work with him on something. Wait, is he a Chicago-based artist? Yeah. Chance the Rapper is, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah. I thought he was just naming people he's heard of. I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was—he was like John Glenn. Like I, I thought he was just naming. No, and, and Chance, uh, the rapper, he's donated millions of dollars to um, Southside schools and helping neighborhoods and communities. Oh fuck yeah, man! That'd be an amazing honor. I stand corrected. Um, I did not realize he was an actual figure in Chicago. So yeah, he's doing good for the city. Chance, if you listen to this podcast, remember the buzz man. <laughs> He yeah. probably doesn't. I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna throw it out there. My guess is, it, it, Chase, if you do get to work with Chance the Rabbit, it's probably not because of this episode. <laughs> but you know what? Let's say it is. Or maybe yeah, it is. Sure. We will take that credit because I'm, I'm going to say it is. So no, I, I, you know, Chase, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, for again, we've we've managed to, to crest the hour mark. It, it, it's funny how these things, uh, these things happen. Um, you know, we, we, we start talking and you just keep going and it's, it's been an, it's been an absolute blast um, having, you know, we don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know it's, it's getting late on a Sunday and I mean, I guess you, you, you don't have to go too far uh, to, to work and you know, you're, you, you are your own boss, you know, which is a, is a good thing to be. I actually have to be up in the morning. Uh, some of us do, uh, but uh, no, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, I don't know if anybody else, do you guys have anything else for anything else for chase? Um, no, we, we, like I said, it was really great. Thank you so much for lending us the piece. Uh, I got to get Spangler Absolutely. to go hands on. Uh, there'll be a review mm -hmm. of the Oak and Oscar Humboldt coming to Zeitz watches probably within the next week or so. Um, and as always, uh, it, was, it was a ton of fun hanging out with chase. Uh, the, the new um, Olmstead that came out 
give it a look. The the matte ceramic coating, pretty slick. Uh, it's a company in California that's doing that for you, right? Yeah, we found the best of the best who's doing this ceramic coating. They've had years of experience. Um, it's they're they're just good at what they do. And you know, we brought them a significant challenge, and they're like, "Cool, let's do it." And we we've we've had we've had fun. It's been fun doing this. That's awesome. And uh, for the first time on one of your pieces, a number six, correct? Yep, it's the very first public no date watch we've ever made. Wow, that's uh, that's something there. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, there's no phantom uh, date piece, correct? In the correct. movement, yeah, awesome. Yeah, we've had to add it to eight nine two modified in order to take that mechanism out. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a pretty slick looking piece uh, on the leather strap. Um, really excited to see that come out. Really excited to see uh, what you've got for us in the future because uh, it's it's all your pieces have been very creative. Like I said, I like the design language, like everything that's going on with it. Um, really happy to have you on tonight. Um, and uh, like, like I said, uh, oh, where can everybody find Oak and Oscar, uh, the website and uh, and on Instagram? Sure. Uh, we are on uh, the Instagram is simple Oak and Oscar uh, spelled out. And then also our website is oakandoscar.com also spelled out. And we're certainly uh, accessible all the different ways. We have fun. We like talking to our, our, our people. It's one of the best parts with the job. That's awesome. No, we, uh, we really appreciate, appreciate you coming on tonight and, uh, obviously go check out what Chase is doing and, uh, look forward to seeing what you guys come up with in the future. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the whiskey and watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, visit our website at zeitzwatches.com. Zeitz is spelled Z-E-I-T-Z.